when that happens to me in like video editing, when I just drop a clip in and drop a soundtrack in over, and then the the editing just lines up to it, like when I pre-cut it, and like if it's music or like, yeah, if I just put like a soundtrack and the editing cuts match up to the beats of the soundtrack, like before I even touch it, I'm just like, this was meant to be. It's like, like this is like, like the act of God. Butter yeah, on smooth toast. like butter. I'm like, yeah, no, this is uh, this is some destiny shit right here. Does it always end up being a good shot? It honestly, for the most times that I remember, they're good shots. Like I, I, I rarely have to tweak it from just my basic memory of it. Yeah, some like most of the time, like, like song selection wise and the pace of my edits, like they just match up. Pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. Have you been working on anything lately? Not really. I'm. I've been kind of like. I've just. Uh, I haven't been like trying to create something new in a while. I guess I've been kind of like giving a break off that a little. I don't know. I want. I, I was thinking about it today. I want to get back into writing for sure, though. You were writing for a bit there. Yeah, like I I wrote like two drafts of a script, and then I looked at it today, and I was just like, "Fuck it, I don't want to make this movie anymore." So I just kind of like, I want to start fresh. I want to start in like a new headspace. So I I guess I've been getting to that headspace. You know. Yeah, you just need some time off and. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I've been building this PC and just having fun with that and just playing video games and shit. Yeah, it's a good way to occupy your time in the meantime. I go through those cycles too, where I'm like, sometimes I just want to sit back, watch some TV and movies. Sometimes I really exactly. want to dive into video games. Sometimes I really want to like go out and create something. So exactly, it's like I get those too. Yeah, but um, well, I guess welcome to Mythic Morons, everyone. Um, yeah, little smooth little transition into the uh, show there. I'll it. make sure there's some silk silky editing. Uh, I'm Cheney. Yeah, well, yes, Cheney and Sid here, guys. Welcome, welcome. So, finally, after speculation, I mentioned it before in the last podcast, I might have mentioned it would happen on July 20th, but I can frankly say now that it's officially announced on July 23rd, it might be one of the greatest days of my life, because that's when the Xbox event is going down, and oh, yeah. two games that I'm pretty sure are going to have their gameplay reveal, or at least there's going to be some more information on both of them are going to be announced and one is a childhood nostalgia filled classic halo i'm really excited what they do with the next game that's pretty much guaranteed to be shown but there's one other game that i'm really excited for and it's like my favorite recent series um and that'd be the spiritual successor to dark souls um elden Mm -hmm. ring so the director miyazaki he's um they moved away from Dark Souls after Dark Souls 3. They gave it a nice send-off and with the last DLC. And now they're going back into the fantasy genre after um, doing Bloodborne and doing... Um, you've seen Sekiro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they dived into Sekiro as well, so Feudal Japan. So they're going back to Western fantasy. and they're. Um, what game developer is this? This is From Software. From Software? Yeah. Um, they do like the 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 big hard. Oh game. shit! Yeah, I didn't. That makes sense. Sekiro and Dark Souls being from the same uh, creator. Yeah, yeah. Sekiro, similar, Dark similar Souls, Bloodborne, all those games, mm-hmm. all those types of games. Like they kind of invented yeah. the genre in in terms right. of that. So I'm their next game is their Elden Ring as their most ambitious, and they had um, you had Miyazaki who was, like, the genius creator behind the Dark Souls universe, and, like, he um, grew up 
reading Western stories, and um, since he didn't like wasn't really fluent in English, he had to like fill in the gaps himself. So he brought that mm. into the Dark Souls games to where like there's actually no true narrative. There's only pieces of the narrative that you can put together and then sort of put the puzzle together yourself as you're playing mm. through the game. So it's like a really fun and engaging video game. That's the, cool. Yeah, he the, brought his own his own way of making stories like growing up into the video game kind of uh, exactly, creation. Exactly. That's so he, huge. Yeah. Like those like Japanese guys just know how to do stuff like that. Oh, so. I know. Yeah, I and, know. And you the, when you were yeah, when you were talking about westerns and like a Japanese guy kind of meddling in the western genre, like I just get ex- I get excited by that kind of description. Yeah, because like you the, know they're about to meld some fantasy into that, some some next level shit. Like the Dark Souls, for me, like I remember there's um, some criticisms from people like online. I'd see like I don't like western fantasy, so like there's no way I'll like Dark Souls. I'm like no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like hold up. This is Western fantasy from a Japanese kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. You, it's mm-hmm. it's com- it's a completely different world. What's yeah yeah. So you got to open your mind to those kind of creators. Like just be open minded and uh, yeah. And honestly, I'm I, I'm thinking of giving Dark Souls a shot. Like it's it seems it seems like a, a deep kind of story to get into, or just like a game to get into. It's yeah. um, the community is fantastic. So that's what helped me get through it. It's a it's mm-hmm. definitely a tough 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 learning curve right but the whole central theme around the dark souls is perseverance and not giving up and not hollowing out right Mm -hmm. it's about perseverance so it's like and it really teaches you that through game design it's like probably one of the purest video games you can play in terms of like vision in combination with game design and execution yeah. yeah so um so imagine that miyazaki moving on to a new fantasy franchise new after franchise spiritual yeah. successor new IP. right just like so Dark- is this gonna be yeah is this gonna be a similar style game or do you yes. know nothing about it so far well we know very little about it we've had one trailer and it ha- happened like maybe i think the trailer came out like one and a half years ago and that's all that's all we've gotten um but we do know yeah. this so it's obviously from software directed by miyazaki he they sort of state it's like the spiritual successor to Dark Souls, just like how Dark Souls was the spiritual successor to Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. But the setting is Western fantasy, but with a more Norse mythology sort of thing. Oh, word! Right, and they got George R. R. Martin to write the mythology for the world. No. Yes. Holy shit! They just they got a best-selling video game on their hands already. No, you have no idea. Imagine the trailer. Yeah. Imagine the trailer. I can't even imagine it right now, but that's crazy. Right. So there's, we've heard rumors about them, like, um, adding new mechanics, like sort of upping the gameplay, like horseback combat and, Mm. and, um, like huge open levels, like, um, sort of similar to their, um, level design of Dark Souls 1, except even more open. Dark Souls 1 has probably like one of the best level design ever like this this it's an open map but like it's got like different sections of the map that are different stages if that makes sense yeah and they all sort of like wrap around each other and they all sort of yeah, connect yeah. in some way so it's like yeah metroidvania-esque kind of design very much so yeah. so it's like a super interconnected world and they're trying to yeah. do that again except in a more open world concept so it'd be like it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be an exciting world to explore i'm almost I might even turn the thing off once the trailer starts because I want my, I might want to go into this thing as cold as possible. 
to get as fresh oh, yeah? experience as possible. Because like, um, what I'm really excited about this is like this is my first time diving into a FromSoft game fresh, right? Because mm. I started getting into From Software games and Miyazaki games while they're already out, and I do think it's now good. you're coming on from the beginning, the yeah. beginning of the hype. I do think it's good um, when you're starting out in the series to actually look up tutorials and look up how to beat stuff, right? Because the learning curve is bad, and the community does mm-hmm. want to help you get through that. So now that I'm sort of a series pseudo series, like they're called Soul Soulsborn games because they're like Demon yeah. Souls, Dark Souls One, Two, and Three, Bloodborne, Sekiro. They're all kind of like spiritual successors to each other like they're yeah. linked in the same sort of gameplay mechanics like with bonfires and intertwining levels and um very punishing gameplay so this is the first time one of these games is coming out while i'm like a veteran of the series so it's going to be like something for me to explore on my own because i know i can sort of complete the task because, yeah, you're you're yeah. a veteran at this point. Yeah, you you've been built up from the Souls games and everything in the past, and and yeah. So like, what what if they make this game uh, an Xbox exclusive? What I don't. Is that gonna do? I don't think they will. I heard they're it's coming to PC as well. So, mm. um, which I think is why you should watch the event because there's actually Microsoft has been. Oh no, I'll watch it for sure. I, yeah. I, I I'm just into the the whole kind of announcement thing in in general so yeah i'll watch it microsoft's been dipping their toes in to pc format um a little more often now and to the point where they're not even making the new halo game a xbox exclusive which is crazy to me because that's really it's the first time it's ever been done and they brought the master chief collection to the pc it's the first time microsoft and xbox has actually put out halo content on the pc in north america they had some weird russian port of halo 2 in russia like when it came out and like people would scour the internet to download that version yeah so now that they're actually like consistently releasing pc content like they just they're releasing halo 3 on pc through the master chief collection on july 14th and they just had this sort of event today showcasing what they've done like they've added new forge which is like a game mode that helps that allows players to build levels and uh, lots of other nerdy halo mechanics that um i'm really excited to try out so i'm just this is might be one of the longest two weeks of my life because i've just been (laughs) of anticipation yeah yeah, i've just been replaying the elden ring trailer back to back with the only two halo infinite trailers i've been starved of content for my two most anticipated (laughs) games and i'm just waiting so I, I thought I'd get that that out there because I was really excited to talk about that. It's an exciting time to be, play video games, man, and just be a fan of them in general. Absolutely. How's the Master Chief uh, Collection coming for you right now? I know you're gaming that pretty hard. Uh, I was earlier in the week. I was playing through Halo Reach. Um, Halo Reach is probably like the one I dumped the most time into when I was a kid. And that was kind of when I got into the hype train a little bit. I never really got into the hype train for Halo 2 and Halo 3. I was a little too young. So, But once I was like 11, 12, and I started seeing the trailers for Halo Reach, and like like the beta for Halo Reach was the biggest thing ever. It's like mm-hmm. the biggest thing ever. It was be- It's Bungie's last hurrah at the Halo franchise before they handed it off to 343 Studios and Microsoft. So 
I dumped a lot of time into that. I played the story mode for that, like, probably easily 20 times. Like, um, it's got a lot of great modes that I love playing. Firefight is one of them. That's sort of a horde mode to where you just have, like, a you set up shop and you have waves of enemies come in, and then if you can survive, then you get a good score. So played a ton of co-op with that growing up, ton of couch co-op with my brothers. Multiplayer like a motherfucker just dove it like I, I think more so uh maybe modern warfare 3 i was probably like way into modern warfare 3 i got stupid good at because i was completely addicted but halo reach i got pretty good at too because i was just stupid addicted so those um, are probably i remember back in the day like the two of the biggest titles i just remember hearing out just like uh, get on uh like either mw2 mw3 or reach you know like those were the biggest titles back in the day but i never I just never gone on Halo at that time. That might that might have been why I'm just not into it as much as an adult now, but yeah. What they're doing with Halo Infinite is kind of like what they did with God of War. Kind of rebooting it for uh, soft like the soft mature, reboot. They're acknowledging the reboot. they're acknowledging yeah. the canon like it's still a continuation of the story, but like it's a whole new setting and they're they're kind of just like like a soft reboot keeping the it's like spirit of the originals more so than halo mm-hmm. 4 and 5 halo 4 and 5 from a halo fans perspective like me is are it's a very complicated relationship um halo 5 i don't even talk about let's n- never talk about that but um what they're doing is they're kind of making a more or less not a like how do i even put this this is more of a spiritual successor to the original halo it seems like what they're doing. It's not like it's not like two and three, which are still awesome games, but that sense of wonder, that sense of adventure, that sense of exploration, that sense of mystery coming from Halo One. They're trying to re-inject that into the series with Halo Infinite. It's sort of like a a, a stepping off point. They even mentioned like in some interviews that um, this is a good jumping off point for the series because they're going to sort of ease you into the world again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the fresh start that Halo needed because Halo 5 was a disaster. Halo 4, you could definitely see some things going wrong. Um, so, we'll, But I'll wait in, until I see gameplay because all we've had is two trailers. Granted, those yeah. two trailers showed off um, a f- fantastic new art style that they're going with that yeah. sort of melds. They showed it, yeah, they showed in-game footage. For, right for they showed the they showed the introduction to the game they showed the intro the second trailer they showed was the intro to the game and the in-game footage looks incredible they're really mm-hmm. what they're doing uh what they're building this game off of is called the slip space engine which is a new video game engine designed specifically like for microsoft studios to work out of and the first game to be launched off it is going to be this new halo game and we'll see like what it does it's it's what they've said, it's like, I've, there's very little tidbits that I've been watching interviews, like, um, part of the, the engine's design is to, like, put as much entities, meaning, like, just, like, NPCs on the screen as, at once. So, they're going, like, in terms of, like, they're probably, they're, they're looking for to make games that are, like, wide in scope that you can fit a lot of things on and just mm-hmm. keep it busy. So, they've shown in-game footage of, like, a some space rhinos like a giant herd of space rhinos just running and like 
a giant herd of deer. Like you can throw in hundreds of things on the screen at once. So I'm really excited for what they're doing. I think, but again, until I see gameplay, but I think it's going to be, you're holding out for that date in two weeks or that announcement video in two weeks, whatever they show. Yeah. For the first time in years, there's positivity within the Halo community. Yeah. I mean, I, they have to bring that back, man. Like, other than that, Gears of War, like what, for now, you know, we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks, but those are the two biggest names, you know, whereas PlayStation is just adding on titles, adding on franchises at this point. So it's smart for them to not only bring back like the, the legacy fans, like people who grew up on it, like yourself, but, you know, getting it within the conversations of like people like me who, you know, didn't play it as much as the we like as you did or just as people did growing up you know and just trying to bring that back into the into the competition and there's there's too much competition now with multiplayer games with good story with first person shooters like what's gonna set that halo game separate so like i'll definitely be watching that xbox event to see that you know because there's never been a halo anything particular about halo that's just excited me as a gamer or as a fan you know just a video games or stories or like I think that's why I've been shifty between Xbox and PlayStation for a while. The, those titles weren't there, but from what I'm hearing now, how Microsoft is moving, how they're how they're thinking forward, it's a it's a lot to be kind of excited about. They also just bought. I don't know if you heard this, but they bought um, Warner Brothers Game Studios, or not that they bought it, but they're in negotiations or they're thinking to buy Warner Brothers Studios, not the movie studios, but their game development side. Oh, I wonder so, what that would bring to the table. So that would bring, and that would bring like all of Warner Brothers Game Studios owned properties such as Rocksteady. Um, so that's the Batman franchise, essentially, if you think about it. Oh. Batman, Superman, all the DC characters. Like that's just its own avenue, if you think about it, you know? Like to be fair, like since I'm the DC guy and I'm the Xbox guy, if X if Xbox starts making like DC exclusive stuff, that's just a wet dream yeah. in my mind for me but yeah yeah for you for all the for guys like who are on playstation that's just like a kick in the ass like sorry buddy but well playstation's I mean, that's... been kicking xbox's ass for the past five years well so. yeah we got we got spider-man so i mean it, it would be balancing the scales a little bit if if microsoft started making exclusive xbox games um i mean or sorry exclusive batman games but that would be cool man i i, I won't lie i wouldn't be mad at that i have an xbox too so that'd be pretty cool it's gonna be nice to see and I hope this is what it is. But it's going to be nice to see Halo become a trendsetter again. Like, do you know how many? Do you know how many games in the in mid to late two thousands that came out claimed to be quote unquote Halo killers? So many tried, so many COD, failed. COD must have claimed that. COD must have claimed that at some point. No, COD must. COD did claim it at one point because. But COD was never in contention with... Because, like, COD was never uh, uh, exclusive. Like, PlayStation... No. They tried to make PlayStation exclusive first-person shooters, and they were marketed as Halo killers. And they couldn't do it. Killzone... Killzone's one, I believe. Um, But Halo used to be the apex of the first-person shooter experience. Absolutely. COD, you know, COD took that over. I think around the time where, where... you know, like where I started getting more into video games, maybe um, that's when COD just kind of like became the most popular franchise, maybe. But yeah, like Halo, like you're saying, this is this is a time to pick it up. Halo time Reach was back. like still huge, 
in terms of multiplayer presence. Uh, a lot of like pros kind of quit because they changed some core mechanics that they thought um, Halo Three was still like the the quintessential esports version of what Halo should be um, in terms of arena shooter. So there was kind of a drop off there, and then Halo Four just dropped the ball in terms of multiplayer. They're like, there was nothing there. They changed everything. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. really Halo anymore. Like continuous sprint, and they had loadout classes and all that shit. It's like Halo started to drag behind. They're no longer the trendsetter. They're now the trend follower. Like Halo Four, right, they're trying to get into Call of Duty's wave of exactly. Everything. And then and then Call of Duty kind of got out of Titanfall's way because then the yep. big trend became. Um, mobility suits and stuff like that yeah. like advanced mobility within first person shooters right yeah, so then Halo running double jumping all that so then Halo 5 comes in and then here you have the Halo franchise which is supposed to be like a methodical shooter mm-hmm. right you're supposed to be able to like see a situation and then sort of approach it any way you want and dispose of the situation methodically right you've been playing Doom it's kind of like not Doom like Doom everything comes at you and you just fucking mow everything down in the most efficient mm-hmm. way possible. Halo is like, you're presented a situation and you can approach it. Like, you're the ambusher in Halo. You get ambushed in games like Doom. Is it like Metal Gear Solid Five in a way where you're in control of how the game, or how the event and the action takes place? Like, how you want to... I mean, I'm, like, I'm not talking about the multiplayer, I'm talking about the campaign, I guess, but like, is it a linear campaign or are you more in like a sandbox? There's um, the, the levels... There's like linear levels and nonlinear levels. Like there's open levels, but there's like a linear path through them. You can just take multiple ways to get there. But like when you're presented with a group of enemies, given mm-hmm. the tools you have, like you're allowed to carry two weapons only, and then you have two different types of grenades. Um, and like you have enemies that do a multitude of different things, right? You have a, you have this sandbox of opportunity and you can sort of choose how you want to solve each problem that is presented to you. Right. Mm. So you see, you have that like very methodical, very precise gameplay and then you add mobility suits to it and then everything becomes too fast. And then they, they need to make adjustments to the enemy design to balance out for how fast you are. So like a lot of the suddenly it's a new game. It's a, like at that point, like halo five is fun and it has balanced multiplayer um, and it's a fun shooter, but it's Halo by namesake only, not by gameplay. Right. So yeah. Um, from what we've seen, now that the sort of mo- mobility suit trend is dead, Call of Duty has returned back to what Call of Duty was. Um, hell, even Titanfall is probably not getting a sequel because of the whole battle royale thing. So I'm. I was kind of like I now with this whole Steam sale, and I know it's ending today, but I was kind of like considering buying Titanfall too. It looked fun it got good reviews and yeah i i I already told you and talked about this in a prior episode but i'm a big fan of that mobility suit trend or i was you know when advanced warfare came out at least and that kind of fast-paced action like a big part of why i even like doom playing doom right now which we'll get into but it's just that you know adrenaline pump that you get in a first person shooter that isn't usually there you know like i don't know how halo is you can kind of speak to that if halo has that kind of rush when you're running and gunning but that i think when you're spending less time thinking almost you're just acting on instinct within the game i always had like a great experience in that and it's it's like sad what i'm saying is like it's sad to see that trend go or like just fade away because it didn't trend in or in sell well you know in the time where it was there yeah and i titanfall is kind of becoming more 
called like all i heard about titanfall is that it was apex good. i mean apex is pretty much taking yeah but apex as a franchise is kind of apex is making over. bucket loads of money for them so they're not really yeah concerned about why would they focus on yeah. the campaign at this point so yeah um so i'm just really excited for the xbox event i'm it might reveal two of my own most anticipated games ever so i am marking it in my calendar and um it's like you know 14 more sleeps till christmas for me yeah it's one of those where you're just you're you're refreshing the page to see any new content when it comes up or yeah i know though i know that feeling man so other than that um i've just been watching the rest of parks and rec i got through a couple more seasons um so good just so good just so consistent consistently good um ron swanson is my favorite character uh if you ever watch it you'll realize why um it's just such a good satire on a microcosm of america and like a satire on the bureaucracy of american politics um Mm. couple complaints you can definitely tell like like the main story the main plot sort of gets flushed out more within the later seasons i was in season three four five um and the main characters involved in that like that's super fun to get through but you can definitely tell that the writers sort of had nothing to do with a lot of side characters um or they just had nothing to do for some characters so some characters just got paired up and it was kind of just awkward and it felt weird and you like if the show was in its earlier stages they would just write those characters off but because it's it gained popularity by that point and it's sort of like an ensemble cast then they can't really just get rid of characters so um while the main sort of plot was really well executed and the characters really fleshed out there it's just like a lot of the other characters kind of get left behind and they're left in limbo but Mm -hmm. this show has never failed to make me laugh i've never not laughed through a uh through a full episode so it's fantastic that's an interesting thing you just said also about that like i think uh parks and rec falls into this uh kind of time of of just great television of like coming out american television in particular just how it speaks on american culture and politics and just like this it's like a snapshot frame view of the time we live in today in general of our world shows like the office arrested development parks and rec like i don't know what it was in like the water coming out in like 2005 2006 i think that's around the same time all these shows came out but because i was watching arrested development the other day too and like it's like the comedy writing is just such a good vehicle for just like smart storytelling and like good storytelling in general like i i i'm i'm probably the same way you're talking about parks and rec like huge into the office kind of like that like probably on my eighth or ninth rewatch now it's never not playing in my house probably since first or second year university you know like it's just been playing i know a lot of people are like that too and it's not just because it's like funny characters like witty dialogue it's just you can watch that show and there's something in that where you can like tie a string from like a character or a theme or like a scene or a moment to like something going on in the world and not to just make it like okay the show is good because it's relatable and into the world sense but like 
for a show to be that smart and maintain its funniness, it's like, it's so fucked up. Like, it's so fucked up and it can't happen today. That's why it's great. It, uh, shows like that cannot exist in the world today. And, like, that says something about about comedy or, you know. I think Parks and Rec can exist today because, well, actually, oh, you're right. You might be right. Because Parks and Rec makes fun of everybody. Nobody's safe. Whereas that's not really yeah you're right it's not really feasible in today's climate in terms of no you need to have not in comedy man not in comedy comedy is the most what like safeguarded like or like just watch your mouth everywhere you go like to every comedian and now you know it's like we're watching you you better not fucking slip too far so it's scary like you know like todd phillips right the director who made the joker and the hangover trilogy and He's well known for his comedy films and he said in an interview that like it's not a safe world anymore to make comedy because you're being judged at by all angles or from all angles and you know somebody could say something blow it up and it becomes a story it becomes news or whatever and I don't even necessarily agree with that I think right now is like a great time for comedy because it's such a fucked up time like there's so much that we can laugh at and like that's the whole point. It's like if we can all come together and laugh at something and point our fingers at it and laugh together, then fuck it, we're all getting together and shit. But it's like if there's fear in the middle of that, then we're getting in the, you know, that something's getting in the way. And like that's where we're at. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to take a look at Parks and Rec to see what that's all about. But from my understanding, it's like that, that was a special time in TV when shows like The Office came out, Parks and Rec came out where it was no holds off barred. You know, you can make fun of people from different colors, people with disabilities, gay people, straight people, black people. Like there was no joke off limit because it treated everybody fairly in the weirdest way. Everybody was equal. Everybody right? gets shit on. Everybody gets shit on. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, maybe not in terms of television, but like, I think you might agree that like, for comedy, it's actually not a weak time. It might be the best time ever for stand-up comedy. There's stand-up so comedy, many killers mm, out there right now, and I that's love. A, that's all a good of them. conversation. Yeah, and with things like streaming, with just the accessibility to stand-up, Instagram, you know, YouTube, it's just it's everywhere now. And yeah, you're right. Stand-up is like, I hope we don't see stand-up fade away into that political correct realm of like you know, watch what you're saying, but. There's some, yeah, we'll, like it's still, it's, it's leaning towards that way, but there's some fucking savages yeah. that are just refusing. And if you know who they are and I know who they yeah. are, there's some yeah. fucking Bill Burr, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer. Yeah. I know a lot of people Joey like, Diaz. Joey Diaz. Oh, oh, that whole group, bro. That whole group. That whole group is full like, of murderers and yeah. they just, they just don't give a fuck, man. And why would they? Like they're killing it and they don't, they don't need to change whatsoever. And no. Um, And when you hear a guy like Tom Segura, you know, on his set, he's not talking shit. Like, he's not lying for the most part. He says a lot of, like, crazy stuff sometimes. Like, almost offside, off-limit stuff. But, like, it's it's like, I don't even know. It's it's like a weird place that kind of comedy takes you, just as an audience, you know? Yeah, I think Tom is tom is so fucking tom is something special like he's definitely my favorite right now yeah yeah absolutely just that dryness that just nonchalant i don't give a fuck what are you gonna do 
I'm going to say it because it's what I believe. And that's why I think that's where I think stand up comedy prevails. Um, still, it's because like in terms of truth, it's like they are speaking truth, but they're speaking it in a way that allows us to laugh at it and then normalize it. And then it's like it yeah. really helps. You know, we could really use a stand up comedy special right now from like someone big like Bill Burr. Dude, or somebody. seriously, I think if there's one if there's not one thing in in the world but if there's a thing that could just bring people together for a moment in culture society you know throw in a comedy special you know like it's it's something that gets everybody involved and engaged and this is something that like i was i wanted to make a movie on this idea i didn't figure it out quite yet what 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 it was but there's like that what we're kind of talking about that connection between comedy and and not just comedy but like the idea of somebody in a stand-up setting performing and and spitting jokes to an audience and like how the audience engages with that there's like there's something there there's like how we lose ourselves in those kind of environments you know and yeah not to get too deep into that because hopefully that film or idea can see the light of day soon but when all this covid stuff ends but that's yeah that's something i kind of think about all the time especially where we are today in the world like it's something you miss i think sure so how was your week what'd you do i've uh i've been playing a lot of video games i've been you got me hooked on doom man i gotta say that congrats if there's one thing you've managed to convince me to try it or uh like throughout these recommendations that we've been having and giving like doom has been fucking solid game how's that, that uh how's that soundtrack oh man i didn't think i'd be a fan of it at first i'll be honest with you really yeah, because I, I just, like, I'm like, oh, this is going to be some, like, weird shit. Like, some Christian rock metal. I think somebody called it like that. You called it like that or something. Like, some, like... I said there, there is no genre. heavy metal, but... It's a it's something else. It's But it gets you... It's the right vibe. It gets you in the perfect Mindset. vibe and, and, and setting. It's like, you hear that... You hear that eight string in the back of your head just sort of creeping up. You're like, I just want to kill some demons man yeah i just i don't want to let my finger off this cup on off these keys and just i don't want to go i just want to go you see what i mean though it's like it's, it's insane the, you get the like the arena settings you know you know what i mean yeah yeah it's okay so doom 2016 this is what my initial thoughts are because i haven't beat the game yet but okay game design wise map design wise uh i love it because they're they're mixing it up they're throwing it up at every turn like I'm, I'm not expecting shit when it's coming to me like i don't expect when i run into an arena from a corridor and and suddenly new demons spawn right in front of me you know like usually there is after you get into a into a section of the game where it's like okay you know you're in the that part of the map where uh you're supposed to fight or you're supposed to battle in a very arena like thing like which doom does and you suspect okay there's going to be a transition time where now i'm going to get some clues i'm going to pick up some artifacts or whatever and then transition into the next arena. But, like, Doom throws that out of the window. And it's... it's Obviously, the point of the game is on the fly and run and gun. But this is, like, don't let your guard down for even a second. Like, just have your hand ready. And I love that. I just love walking through the world of the game and experiencing each different level. Because they're all so different at the same time. Like, for, uh, you, you go from a, a multi-layered open space... Um, like a basement type setting that has multiple floors, multiple layers, small rooms, big rooms, lava on the floor, you know, so 
now the environment plays its own enemy against you and just hordes of different types of demons so you're dealing with a whole bunch of shit essentially and then from there you move into like a tiny like rectangular room and that's all you have you know you're contained and then that becomes its own antagonist and enemy to you so like i like the game design in that way like the map design plays against you and also plays for you right you know when it it gives you that space it becomes a puzzle so they'll introduce yes they'll introduce a mechanic or a new demon type or like they'll introduce a like a like a situation type where they'll you know have lava and then they'll expand on that throughout the levels and they'll sort of Mm -hmm. mix it up and they'll add combinations of these elements that challenge you and they'll see how you respond and it's sort of yeah it's a nice it it is a big it's a big puzzle it's like each level each kind of next step you get into when there's a new demon they throw you you you're gonna die a couple times no shit like you know i can't even count how many times like i just want to quit like i and that's the funny thing about this game like i've quit i've rage quit a bunch of times just because you know you you can't get through a certain level or like i I don't know whatever it is like whatever excuse i can come up with in the moment but there's always something that just wants to bring me back to playing the game like just the it's addicting and it's like oh yeah just get back into that run and gun mode and then the music kicks in and you said it perfectly in the last kind of round this is like a full circle moment we're getting into with doom kind of getting back into it but when you were talking about and giving your initial thoughts you talked about like how you get into this flow state of it and that's such a perfect description like you lose all thoughts of the outside world and you're just in a game and i love that yeah absolutely there's been a couple times when i've been playing doom and like someone's been calling at me and I have to stop and then get back into it. But when I do, I immediately die. Right. Yeah. There's just something about being tossed into these ambushes, into these situations that require you to just think on the spot immediately and for you to solve problems quickly. And then you have this great arsenal and sandbox to do it with, with um, Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of fun, unique weapons and grenades and, um, just a, a fun environment to jump around to so yeah um i'm glad you're enjoying it's one it. of the best yeah it's one of the best like linear games that i've played because you know i'm i like the type of game designs kind of that offer choice and freedom in how you play you know um death stranding a big reason why i like that was because it's a very set type of game in in its in, in what it is it's not a shooter it's not heavy action heavy adventure like tomb raider kind of thing it's very much its own thing but it has bits of all of that stealth game shooter game action adventure so it's like here's all the tools we'll lay them out for you and you bring yourself into it you know like you you play how you want to play and in that way doom is it's not that entirely it's linear you know it's it's guiding you in a sense like here's the weapons we'll give you the weapons when you're progressing through the through our game you know but all of this is going to play into it and you're going to discover some shit and and I don't know how they do it, you know, because there's oftentimes I, I would have thought I would have got bored from this game. You know, I, I told you this initially, like, I don't know if I'll like a game like this it seems kind of two dimensional, but it, it just like reaches into that childish nature in, in a person, you know, not to like say that in a negative way. But I think that's kind of what it is. It's like less focus on the the uh, the meaning behind it all, less focus on the subtext you know like kind of like i that's why i'm like struggling to put it into words it's like okay stop even trying to explain it just like play the game and have fun with it you know 
It's a game first and foremost, right? It's a game first and foremost. They're not trying to... It's classic, like, stick and three-button game. Uh, Joystick and three-button game. Like, arcade, classic arcade, yeah. Right. It's not trying to, like, send some some Blood Bowl message or do all that. Like, it's doing one thing, and it's doing it to the maximum. And to the best. Yes, to the best of its abilities, right? And, um yeah it's and the story is pretty interesting i'm not gonna lie it's pretty it's it's uh, not it, it's intriguing it's enough not bad. and like you could you can actually it's intriguing have you enough. been reading any of the codex entries that you get not yet i actually haven't gotten into that much yet like no. it adds like it's nice little it's nice little uh i'm getting what i'm like getting into is and i'm using it to my advantage just like reading up on the weapons reading up on the monsters trying to find their weaknesses and shit like that and that's kind of cool like how they you know obviously develop the the lore behind everything thoroughly and it plays into it. It's not just like lore for lore's sake. It's if you take the time to read it, you'll find something of value. Right, and that's what I don't most of the time. really like about Doom Eternal is because they get very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you just have a character telling you how it is. Exposition. It's it's oh, very yeah. exposition. It's just like, it's telling you how it is. It's like expecting yeah. you to be like, oh, this is so cool. And granted, a lot of it is cool. Yeah. But the presentation could be a little better, and I think 2016 does it better, where it, it's more showing you like how things are versus what things are. And if you look at the tiny details, you can see, like, you can really appreciate the amount of work and love that went into every single element of this game. You know? What oh, I mean? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of that. There's there's a lot of that to appreciate. Yeah. Like back to the music. There's that's such a key component that i think like with a different type of music i wouldn't have as much fun because when that comes in when that slow roll of the guitar starts to come in you're just like fuck when like, you hear the echo of the guitar and you adjust, know you're yeah, walking adjust forward. your seat yeah you're like oh okay let's go i'm ready like it's never like a dull moment i'm having a great time playing that game and um another game i just downloaded actually was called um outer what's called outer wilds have you heard of that I have actually. I heard that game's amazing. Yeah, it's. I've heard it on like it's appeared on a couple like game of the year lists. Um, kind of highly reviewed, very underrated, under talked about. I guess like kind of in just the gaming community and small kind of channels. But it's there and it's an indie game. I heard it was made by a really small team of people. Um, and it's it's a game that like fascinates me by its concept. So like, you're basically you play as like an alien character and you have the exploration of the solar system essentially like at your hand like in front of you you're i haven't gotten enough to the gate through the game yet to kind of like talk about the story or like what it's about but from my main understanding initially and what's cool about it the concept is you're exploring the solar system and as as like an explorer essentially getting off your planet for the first time and getting up to space and there's a problem in the solar system and you're trying to get to the root of that problem essentially and i haven't gotten past that yet okay um from what i know there's like a big mix-up halfway through the game i'm not even sure what the mix-up is yeah. i just know there's a yeah, mix-up yeah. in the gameplay yeah so i've heard it gets plot twisty in some areas yeah so when you get there don't tell me yeah. um what it is tell me if it's cool or not but um, yeah cause I, it's cool so far everything about it is pretty cool so far um I'm, I'm cons- this is a game that's made me consider the idea of streaming just because it's kind of cool. Like I have so many kind of thoughts just playing the game. It's one of those like very inquisitive, just like thought provoking games. And like 
a very a lot of good detail put into npc characters and like what they offered you in in the world and stuff like that so it's just um yeah i, I kind of got into the idea of like maybe i should stream this streaming's fun i do a little bit yeah are you still doing it yeah yeah i am when i can um it's just i don't i don't all my buddies show up i don't have like random people actually i do have some random people show up but they just don't stick around but uh yeah. I can't imagine like somebody like I mean I, honestly I was doing this just yesterday I was hopping through random people's streams and just like listening to it for a couple seconds hop to the next one but it's like it's actually like a it's cool and weird at the same time thinking like let me just peer into this person's life for for a couple minutes or something yeah you know? yeah but it's fun when the guys show up and you just have someone to chat to while you're gaming but... yeah yeah when, yeah for sure so um is that about it for you um yeah it's been a slow week for me too i've just been gaming i've just been what else um i watched um what do you call it scott pilgrim versus the world for the first time in a really long time yeah like yeah like last time i watched it was maybe eight years ago off my memory what? And, and that's enough time for me like not to fully remember all the shit in the movie so that's so your like, movie dude it's a great fucking movie that's how that's and, your yeah. type of movie dude yeah, and I that's I'm like, where was I? Why didn't I watch this like all the time growing up? You know, like I I don't know how this went under the radar for me because I like I watched it again just the other day, as if it was like the first time I'm watching it. Because uh, there was things I'm like, oh fuck, I don't even remember that, and it seems like silly because this I strongly feel like this is like one of those movies of our generation. Like it's a very generational movie, and yeah, it's you you kind of nailed it on that. Yeah. It's another great example of it's like a proper adaptation of a graphic novel story. Comic books. Yeah, graphic. Yeah, I, I was going to say that too. It's like kind of like how we were talking about Sin City. It just takes that genre and, and makes it and just embraces it and has fun with it and all those things. And like, It doesn't shy away from what it's, what's on the page. It doesn't try to make a movie out of the, out of the um, graphic novel. It just tries to take what works in the graphic novel and just like put it in the context of a movie translate it into the movie yeah and edgar wright is just the best director i think to do that and he like holy fuck he made a great fucking movie like a kick-ass film you know like he's like editing wise is like all time one of the greatest fucking to to like make the rhythm of a movie and the flow of the movie like his editing style is so fucking unique that if you watch any scene of an edgar wright movie you'll know okay i'm watching this filmmaker and i didn't like this is the funny part because anytime i think of edgar wright as a filmmaker and his movies the movies that would come to my head would be like Shaun of the dead or um like what are his other ones i'm blanking out on the names hot fuzz um the what's the other one uh Shaun of the dead hot fuzz one more yeah, he released a, a third film part of that trilogy, the Cornito, Cornito trilogy. Um, the End of the World, I think. I think that's might be the third film in that. Anyways, yeah, so hit, there's always, like, there's this very distinct style, and I underappreciated throughout my life Scott Pilgrim as one of his movies, as, like, kind of part of that library of, of films kind of thing. And not even just that. It's just, like, you know, the fact that it's set in Toronto and, and like, Hits it's set about this it hits close to home in so many ways just the, the type of guy he is and like the shit he's getting into and it's like holy fuck like this is such a great fun movie and like it feels so weird talking about like 
a movie as if it's new to me, even though it's like 15 years old at this point. But it w- it's so cool kind of like getting getting to something that is like old and, and you forgot about it and you're like re growing with it relearning it and like yeah it's it was a cool experience to watch that you know what i just fucking realized while we were having this conversation what's that the girl that plays ramona is mm-hmm. in the movie we watched for today <laughs> yeah i knew yeah. she looked this familiar a... did you because she she w- had the biggest uh like just change i think in any actress in hollywood in general like she looks nothing like how she used to look i don't know man she's still looking she was also hot. she was also in no, she's still hot, no doubt, but she, the, like, her as Ramona is, like, the girl of your dreams growing up, and her in the movie we're going to talk about is, like, Wife. she's, like, the girlfriend you had in college, like, she's, like, the the realistic girlfriend, you know, she's, like, yeah, your wife, essentially, what you're going to have. Exactly. But, no, she, she, grew, she grew up, like, with us, I guess, you know, in, like, a weird way, like, but if you look at, what's his name, um... What's the guy in Scott Pilgrim again? Fucking... How am I blanking out of my name? Scott Pilgrim? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He fucking... He, he hasn't changed at all. Like, he stayed the same, no, essentially. He's just that typecast guy. That... He's so typecast. But the funny thing about him is that he's, like, a huge cinephile. He's really big into movies and, and like, cinema and the history of it and all that. That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. No? No, no. I, I just... I, a lot of, like... It's weird, like a lot of smaller movie stars are like that, and yeah, you can tell it's right. like they're genuine. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have an appreciation for even what they do, and not just Hollywood. And this is a check, but yeah, it 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 surprised me in the sense that like I I like finding out those things about actors I like or actresses I like. Like there's that kind of deeper side to them that I could relate to and shit. So yeah, cool cool news on that. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been a slow week, just been chilling and. We watched a <laughs> interesting, to say the least, movie this week. Very, I don't even know how to explain. Like, this movie is such a fucking meme. Well, can you even realize that this movie came out this year? Like, it came this out is a 2020 movie. 2019 movie? Yeah. No, 2020. This is a 2020 movie? Yeah, but let's... let's. Oh, wait. Let me just get the exact date here. What this the is, um, fuck? No, no. This is towards the end of 2019. Never mind. Yeah. That's why I'm getting it. It still came out yeah. within a year. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. ridiculous, man. I know. It just seems out there. Um, but the movie we're talking about this week is uh, Gemini Man, uh, starring Will Smith, directed by Ang Lee. And um, here's what I'll say just about Just saying this, those uh, words together just doesn't make sense. Why with the movie that? we're about to talk about cuz man like directed by ang lee and starring will smith is like should get me giddy to talk about a movie to watch that movie do you know what, least, do you know what you know? this like, movie that should was be a highly anticipated what yeah what, what's this movie Jane? this movie is an experiment for de-aging software and i thought that was the irishman or star wars no that was star wars Right, it's Star Wars. It was The Irishman. It was um, Captain Marvel. I think this yeah. is just a movie, just to help showcase and help forward the uh, the de aging technology. And I think God, I hate that because it doesn't even do a good job at doing that. I thought it did a fucking pretty decent job, dude. Really? I thought it did a good job. I didn't get fooled that much, man. Bro, because here's the thing. This is where it fooled me, or at least you know, like I'll, I'll give it credit. It's it's good like it's 
but it's not possible because this is what they did. They would do close-up shots on Will Smith's Will Smith's face, right? And you know, like older Will Smith, like real Will Smith. And then they would cut to a close-up, like a dead-ass, you know, close-up shot of this CGI younger Will Smith. And when you keep cutting back and forth from real-life Will Smith interacting with his environment and the real-life lighting and the nature and all that shit, and then you cut to a CGI Will Smith, it's so noticeable. It's so jarring. It's it's like a video game cutscene. Okay, yeah. You know? Okay, well, I'm glad you say video game cutscene because I thought the fucking fight scenes and the hand to hand combat in this movie looked like a yeah, video yeah. game. Okay, that was bad. What I'm talking about, dude, was yeah. like the one on one with um younger in the night. Clone. Are you talking about in the night? No, younger clone Will Smith. Like whenever they did one on one scenes with him, oh yeah, that looked good. But I can definitely tell like when you're comparing him with actual Will Smith, Older it can Will look Smith. a little, There's- little weird. There's a scene I wanted to ask you in particular because you just brought up hand-to-hand combat, and that's when they're in the cemetery. I think it was like the night scene. Yeah, the, and they're doing the Budapest. The only lighting. Um, yeah. What is it? Crips. The, what do you call it? Uh, Crips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and um, it's like just lit by a flashlight essentially, and silhouetted by a flashlight, and it's all it's essentially shot hand-to-hand and cut. Like, it's what did you think of it? I want to get your because you like if you like that action in the movie. Like, what was your thoughts on that scene? I didn't like the action whatsoever. I thought all the action was like no? the, gu- oh, okay. the gun action was good. There was one good hand to hand combat scene that was uh, I didn't even know her name, but the when the girl fought the the guy in the in the boat shop, I thought that was oh that <laughs> that has one of the funniest lines in the entire movie. It does. It was, it's so fucking stupid. Such a cheesy it's so fuck. Stupid. It's so stupid. Who writes that shit? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you know? <laughs> like, okay. This is the thing. The movie seems like it was probably written by, like, a handful of writers. Like, a, it was passed around a writer's room. You know? Oh, yeah. This is a corporate movie. So, here's actually... Here, yeah. It, it, by definition, is. Because here's the story about Gemini Man. It's been in, essentially, production hell for the past 20 years. 25 years. So, they've been trying to get this movie made for, like, a long time. And has been getting passed from like director to director, screenwriter to screenwriter, actor to actor. Like Mel Gibson was supposed to play the lead, and you know it's just been it's been supposed to be that A list movie for for years. Like you know, so it's finally landed in the hands of Ang Lee. You know, and it doesn't seem like an like. There's so many different things we could talk about in this because even Ang Lee directing it, it's like what the fuck? Like where? When? Like did they just buy Ang Lee's name to put at the end of the movie? Like. Like, we're talking about the guy that directed Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and you don't see that in this movie. You're like... So, yes, yeah, should the, like, fight scenes be good? Dude, they should be. They should be but fucking... they were Fantastic. They should... It not just... Yeah, they should be, like, holy fuck. Like, the more you think about it, like, it's not even the same director. It can't be the same director. Like, the compositions of this film's action... And just the way it was shot and everything. A lot of it was like a video. Like it was any other movie. Yeah. It was a video game. The whole movie in my eyes was like watching a video game movie. Did you ever expect you know? to see a de-aged Will Smith use dirt bike kung fu against a really old Will Smith? No. and But that should have been the trailer slogan. That should have been on the cutting room floor because that shit was fucking so stupid. Just get off <laughs> the bike and choke a... him. 
when he uses the tr- when he uses it as like a fucking like a fucking throttle like throttles it to him and just throws it at no, him. No, he's, he's like, like doing like kung fu shit with the dirt bike even before that. Like when he's like whipping around the back end to like karate chop him with the- Oh, he like when he like tail whips him like a hundred times. Yeah, he tail whips him to, like, like three him fucking down. times. Just get off the bike yeah, and choke him. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You're the they, they got fifty five year old Will Smith to nonsensically do push ups like that. Like come on. It was it was <sighs> some of the choices. It's a weird movie. It's just a it's... weird movie. Cause like even the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Just visually, like it was. And I know what people have griped about this movie visually. For and there's like, here's the backstory about the how they shot the movie. Okay, so normally films when we watch them in theaters or on Netflix or whatever, like movies that are intended for a theater, when you watch them, they're shot in 24 frames a second, typically. That's classic tradition, whatever. Which means 24 pictures are shot. Um, stitched together in one second of footage is 24 pictures essentially and that produces the cinematic type of video quality that we're used to and if you look at commercials or slow motion videos for example those are all shot at 30 frames a second plus so 30 frames to 60 frames to 90 frames to 120 frames a second Um, and that's like when you're getting to like hyper realism faster than the eye can catch type of thing so the eye can catch i think it's something like 30 frames a second and anything above that is like hyper realism so this movie decided to shoot in 120 frames a second and present itself at 120 frames a second yeah 120 frames a second yeah for what and and in real time no slow motion none of that crap like in real time 120 frames a second is that why shit just looks so weird like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, when they're doing yeah. action scenes and it's just, like, the CGI shows up so much. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It just, it stands out. It's like a layer of its own in every scene. It's it's like they added CGI makeup on on the actors, right? Like, the textures are all weird. And I, I this is how I felt watching the entire thing. It's like they shot the film and then threw it in, like, a digital converter or, like, a digital filter box or something, like, it just looks so digitalized like it's you can put that up to like any quote-unquote film like using fil- shot on film type of movie and it's it's gonna like paint a story there it's gonna show like where we've come for movie making because this is like this is like the closest thing to a video game movie that i've ever seen yeah it's there's just a lot of bizarre director choices in this and i knew there was like i was yeah. in for a ride when like one of the first shots is a fisheye lens extended lens of a train passing i was like what yeah. the fuck is going on like yeah and then the the aspect ratio cuts down like in that it, it, it suddenly becomes a panoramic shot like it's weird i i actually kind of like that shot i I'm not did but like i just and i it was interesting visually interesting it's such a weird movie to do experimental shit like that with you know what i mean yeah it, it's yeah you're right and it's it's like that's the only time he experiments in that kind of way also though like yeah, that that's that doesn't come off later as a director style choice you know that's just like let me fuck around for a shot and not do anything like that again that's what i did notice there was a lot of effort put into like the opening 15 minutes and then the editors kind of just went like ah, yeah uh, i won't put in 100 percent because this movie's trash it, it, yeah, I thought the first act was, like, the weakest, probably, for the movie. Like, no, but, like, in terms of, like, cinematic quality, I thought the first 
portion of the film was really interesting and really well um composed in terms of like interesting shots in and terms of how it's shot okay yeah yeah and then the rest of the way they just half ass right and as soon as they bring in bring in clone will smith things start to slowly yeah. fall apart mm, i had a very different take than that actually um i was watching it and initially i thought like what the fuck is this movie like the first act maybe the first 15 minutes at least like i you know that that setup was cool that assassination scene when he's shooting the guy through the train i thought that was a cool way to introduce will smith and who he is as an assassin but i was just like okay now what like when they came to like introducing the world building up who, who is he and why are these guys after him or like that some of that was so vague to me and just like they kind of just skimmed through it to get to the point where he has to meet his clone now and i that's where i actually got engaged in the movie i thought the movie got better when the clone gets introduced that's when you start that's when they start to bring up some questions when you, they're like start to get you thinking a little bit i feel like that's when they took it from just an action movie to something a little better than that but it's it was shaky like throughout uh, it's so tonally shaky and just inconsistent but yeah i had almost like a very opposite viewing experience i think from you no and like i agree like the story gets more interesting once the will smith clone is introduced but um i just think You're like filmmaking wise it's it's more it turns into a totally different movie like totally different tone everyone yeah. everyone acts differently Throughout. around each other yeah everyone's making weird decisions now oh that that's something i couldn't understand for multiple character relationships and you know like throughout the film like will smith and his connection to the girl in the film what's yeah, is it a romantic uh, interest? Like, what the fuck's going yeah, on? Yeah, like, are they? Yeah, Danny is her name, and and yeah, are they a romantic interest? Like, they're, I so we're thinking the same thing on that. Like, even his connection to younger Will Smith, they're like trying to build that off. At some points, like this is like a father son relationship, but oh no, it's like we're the same Will Smith, we're the same guy. No, no, like, no, no. What they are don't do it. They don't try to do father son shit until <laughs> the last ten minutes, man. And then all of a sudden, yeah. But like, where did that come from? That last scene. Where does that? You're like, what movie is this? Why is he going to college? Like, <laughs> what movie am I watching? They're all hugging and arguing at the end, like they're one big, ex- some weird interracial family. Like, what movie are you trying to be, bro? Like, like, like this. Like they became some happy family because this guy tried to kill these two people and you held them hostage yeah. at one point. And it's just yeah. like, why it's like, you... look at the experiences we've gone through guys. Now we're so much closer together. It feels like a 2020 movie for trying to make a movie about, or trying to tell a story about um, like mixed families or messed up families or like families that are not um, traditional maybe, or nuclear in that sense. Like it's like a long elaborate movie just to say that that there are non-traditional families out there yeah that's kind of a central thing and it's it's, it's weird. really weird it's really weirdly it's weird. portrayed like it doesn't there's some enjoyable moments in it some of the action is all right um like i want to like it more though like i feel like i haven't liked a will smith movie in a long time i haven't liked a will smith movie in a long time either like i don't know man he might have even peaked at french fresh prince dude he might have peaked at Fresh Prince. Holy fuck. Like, no, nah, that can't be it, bro. I think it's that it. Can't be like, it. Will, Smith nah, is, nah. Will, Will Smith isn't Will Smith anymore, man. Will Smith is a, is a meme. Like, there is no person named Will Smith anymore. Like, Will Smith is just... Um, like <laughs> He's just an energy floating out there that makes YouTube videos and posts on Instagram every now and then. Yeah. He's not, like... 
Okay, no, we can't say that Will Smith hasn't been on point after Fresh Prince. The guy came out with Pursuit of Happiness, all right, Bad Boys, 1, 2, and 3. I haven't watched any of those. I haven't I haven't watched 3 yet. I I got to rewatch the whole trilogy. Uh, Men in Black. Okay, classic. Okay, first on. first one's good. First and the second one. I people don't like the second one. I was a big fan of it. I liked it when it came on TV. Um yeah, I mean, up until recently, I would say Will Smith has been that guy. That you know, he's just been that guy. He's been cool, he's been fucking the guy that you want to see in movies until he was like the guy in every movie and you're like, "Bro, stop." Until like, why are you he in started like bringing his kid into things and like it, then he started getting weird um i don't know the whole like will smith family <clears throat> phenomenon and then his whole fucking youtube rewind appearance was just you know what everything that just kind of that like, was peak yeah that was peak weirdness of will smith's career right and the like YouTube there's rewind. no going back from that once you become an international no. an international where everyone's making fun of you, where the biggest YouTuber in the entire world is making fun of you, and all of his fan base is making fun of you, and then even the second biggest YouTuber in the world is making fun of you. It's just like, there's no going back. And like, I couldn't, yeah. I don't know Will Smith's character in this movie. What's his name? I don't care. It's Will Smith. Henry. Is it? His name is Henry. Uh, he does, that's the thing. When they first started, I, I didn't know that throughout like at least the first 20 minutes, I was like, who the fuck is Henry? Who are you talking about? And then I had to finally like piece it together. Like, okay, Henry must be Will Smith because they're talking about him so much. And Will Smith is the top build actor on the movie. But like, there's nowhere explicitly where there's nothing memorable about him as a character. Like until the end, until you find out he has a clone, but there's nothing that makes you like root for him or really care for him or like just make you like, you know, yeah, he's, he's kind of just like way. a nobody. He just he has no family. He's just trying to live a quiet life, which I guess so, is... Oh, I'm going to retire, guys. Oh, and then... Okay, here's basically the inciting incident of the film, right? As far as inciting incidents goes, which is like what kicks off the actions of the movie, this is what it was. He gets told some information by his friend that uh, the guy he killed basically wasn't the guy he was told to kill, right? And he goes off to do his thing. He's like, oh, what do I do with this information? Like, I got to follow up on this. I got to figure out this is real. And, like, it's disconnected. But now his superiors, the guy that that have hired him for this job, find out that he knows this information now. And now they want to kill him for knowing that information. When, like, it's like two separate things going on. It's like, how, where's the connection? Like, where's the... There, it's like things that are just happening for the sake of action. That's right. Action movie stuff. Things and just happen as bad villain guys just because we need a bad villain. You know, like what the fuck? Where come did on. where did his pilot friend come out of? How did he get in contact with him? He just kind of showed yeah. up because they needed somebody to facilitate the story. Fucking Wong just pulls up like, and it's like the most cliche, like friend character. Like it's just how many times have we seen that? You know, like that character type. That it's just. Like, uh, we've been through this, man. Like, we've been... And that's why I think like, it yeah. falls apart, like, within... Uh, once you introduce the clone a little bit, it's because, like... Yeah. Um, I'm okay with a cliche film. I'm okay with a retired mm-hmm. assassin trying to lash out against the government because they want him dead, right? But then yeah. they bring in the yeah. clone, and it's an entirely different movie at that point. See, I would have rather that movie, 
to be honest. But then I thought about it, and there's that movie exists, and it's called Looper, and it's better, essentially. Oh, and you would disagree with me, I think. On no, that. I don't. I've like never Looper, watched right? Looper, and I'm uh, no? reluctant oh, okay. to watch any Ryan Johnson film. Although, yeah, yeah. Although I've heard criticisms be like, hey, yeah, he can't make a sequel, but he can make a good film. I said, okay. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about Ryan Johnson. If we're gonna start talking about Ryan Johnson starting now, before we get into really talking about Ryan Johnson, have you seen uh, Breaking Bad? Like any of it? Uh, I watched the first two seasons. Years okay, and you didn't years watch years the last season years ago. So okay, okay. So I'm, I won't talk too deeply about the last season, but the last season, in my opinion, is like one of the greatest finales of a TV show of all time. Like it, the show Breaking Bad just never loses its momentum, and the last season's like such a like fulfilling finale. And he directs. Okay, for me, the the last episode of the last season is my favorite episode, one of my favorite episodes of TV of all time. But there's Holy, wait, I got to make sure I'm talking with the right shit right now. If he did direct the last the episode that I'm thinking of. Um, but I'll just get to what I'm saying. He directed one of the best episodes of Breaking Bad that I've like, that, that is just out there. And that's like critical consensus at this point. Like it's called Ozzy Mendez. Um And I remember like, I didn't know who Ryan Johnson was while watching it. Like he was nobody at the time. I don't think he made Looper. And I just remember, like, while watching it, thinking, this is, like, the best episode of Breaking Bad I've ever watched. Like, I was aware of it in that moment. Like, this is a unique and genuinely sick episode. And then flash forward, like, three, four years later when The Last Jedi is coming out and we're all hyped out of our seats to watch episode eight. And somebody writes an article, like, boom, the guy from Breaking Bad is, like, this is his, like, path to The Last Jedi. Like, wait, when did he do Breaking Bad? And so I was kind of, like amazed a little like you know like he gets a lot of flack for his storytelling choices but at core things i think he's a good director i think he knows what he's doing and people might disagree with it people might not like it and that's fair you know it's just as much as we don't like anything um one criticism i've heard i've only watched one of his movies or one of Mm -hmm. his things and that was unfortunately a very negative experience for me so are you talking about that really crappy short film which i don't even want to call it a short film but are you talking about that no like i'm talking about the last jedi which was a very negative experience for me oh yeah how could i not even think yeah i was i i I, like blocked out that from my head for a second but that's the only thing i've watched of his other than the parody that red letter media did of the wine tasting which i think everyone should look up um to get a sense of where criticisms lie on ryan johnson um from what i understand um some criticisms are his movies are oh so smart and ryan johnson is oh so smart and you must revel in the fact of how smart he is as a director and he's gonna do things that you won't expect because he's so smart um and i think that can work in terms of tropeless movies um but in terms of like trope heavy movies, mm-hmm. I don't think Ryan Johnson is quite effective just because he doesn't like tropes. But tropes are okay, tropes are there the for a reason. I'll bring I'll just circle this back to Looper because that's where I got into Ryan Johnson and and just br- connecting it to Gemini Man. But Looper being a movie about similar stuff where a young version of a character is trying to kill the older version of his character and they end up teaming down. So this is Looper or Gemini Man is essentially 
Looper, but from the other point of view. Oh, fuck. I think my phone just died, so our FaceTime cut out. Jane. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I thought, yeah, no, I thought the whole system went down. That's why I, I got paranoid for a second. But um, the Technical difficulties. Little bit of technicals. It's all good, though. And um, so, yeah, Looper is, is a trope-heavy movie, though, in the sense that it's a sci-fi, to its core sci-fi time, um, time travel movie. And it's action heavy and it's, it's has fun with itself and like not to get too much in a looper review and different discussion. That's could be a different episode on its own, but like where, where I find things that fail in Gemini man, like tonally and, and, and just how like it's so weird and it just doesn't cohesively work together. Like looper brings those pieces together in a way that like, you're not supposed to think too much about this shit. Like you're not supposed to think too much about the logic of time travel, but when you're watching it and you're engaged with it, things make sense. The world makes sense. And the characters act how they should, or at least how, how they're written or, you know, in the sense of good writing. But that's all I wanted to say in, in connecting it to Looper. Like it's a more cohesive kind of way to tell this story, I guess. So if you wanted to watch a movie where, young character fights off his old character just fucking watch looper i guess <laughs> yeah um i've never watched looper so i can't really vouch for it but i can that would be an interesting no that would be an interesting discussion though because you haven't seen it yet. no no I... and you don't like ryan johnson that would be yeah well i don't know if i'd like ryan johnson he hasn't very he hasn't given me a very good first impression yeah you're still upset at him let's just say I that am... <laughs> <laughs> i'm quite upset at him he uh kind of I was actually watching a video essay Fucking dickhead. on him today because <laughs> yeah. I'm still mad at him. But um, Yeah, no, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Just that pretty much every day, huh, Janie? Yeah. <laughs> every time it kind of creeps up on YouTube and I see someone shitting yeah. on Ryan Johnson for like two hours, I'll, anytime, be, like, I'll be like, okay. Anytime I'm feeling nihilistic. Yeah. Anytime you're feeling nihilistic, it's just turn on a Ryan Johnson video. Oh, yeah, oh no, sorry, I have go-tos that just shit on him. <laughs> You got a playlist. I do. I, I, I could actually put a playlist together of video shitting on Ryan Johnson and his decision-making abilities. Anyways, <laughs> Gemini Man. Um, fuck, what was I going to... Yeah, like a, a lot of times... I don't know. You probably got this too. A lot of times throughout the movie, they just kind of like did things and I don't know why. Like they just... It was kind of like a shitty version of Indiana Jones travel where they just went to location, location yeah yeah you know what i mean it was, It felt like a michael bay movie for a while yeah. like we're just hopping from city to country to location to setting to like yeah it's i feel like action movies like build themselves on that nowadays where it's like we gotta be shooting in eight countries if we're not shooting in eight countries we're not making the movie. dude it must be oh cheap but like to why shoot. do we have to go to this country oh don't worry about it just write it in don't worry about it I, don't ask questions i feel like it's cheap to know? shoot in hungary now for some reason because i'm seeing more and more action movies yeah i've heard i've heard that i've heard budapest is becoming a pretty good location they shot blade runner 2049 there okay so. here's another thing about yeah. hollywood and budapest people have to pronounce budapest properly okay i definitely mispronounced it so that's why you're correcting no. me what do you say how do you say budapest it? it's like pest pest budapest yes okay so there's a silent letter there somewhere yes yeah, so it's like a instead of just an s there's like an sh in there anyways gotcha. that's just me being gotcha. pretentious about my <laughs> hungarian no, roots but yeah you gotta be yes um so yeah they just went like from location location and they just had the means of doing so all the time 
with no consequences whatsoever. I just thought that was so weird. Like this, their pilot guy just shows up out of nowhere and he has a plane that can take them from Georgia all the way to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Do you know how fucked that would be in that little floater plane? No, but then didn't they make like they there was I think a literally a specific line just to kind of patch that I think. But can he even like where they're like cause they escaped in the nighttime, right? They escaped in the nighttime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he gets to Georgia from Columbia in a single engine plane in the morning. No, but didn't they switch planes at one point? They switched planes they to switched go to planes Europe. At one point. They. And that's another yeah. thing. He's like, oh, I just know a guy who has a jet and he's going to let me borrow. Yeah. One. Yeah. And, and, oh yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm just, I'm mixing those up a little bit, but no, you're right. That it, there was no sense of time or, or travel or any realism to that. A hundred percent. No. And I don't, I don't think they tried, which is whatever. But... No, there's no effort into that, but why should there be at the same time? Like, I mean, not that why, I mean, I, I would love for all movies to take themselves a little more seriously and you know, but sometimes at least when you can make that part forgettable but like the fact that we can pick up on that and it like you know like it this movie lacked i feel like effort and care in in a lot of places yeah there was actually no reason for them to go to hungary to get that information right yeah it was just yeah. a, no, it was the, just a means they to... set up a trap they were basically trying to set up a trap but a, too elaborate of a trap no like they didn't want to set up a trap in the first place they needed to go there to get to to the guy to, to talk to Yuri, the Russian who's in Hungary for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. But it's like, you didn't need to get a jet and go to Hungary just to have a conversation with this guy that you could, I don't know, have over the phone, have with the phone. Maybe like you had a lot of other conversations over the phone for fuck's oh, sake. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm remembering now. So they, the, the reason they go to Hungary is so that Will Smith can meet Yuri in a bathhouse for a two-minute conversation right? where Yuri basically gives the exposition dump for the rest of the movie. Yes, he gives the exposition dump to be like, you have to go fulfill this plot point now. And yeah. then they then they realize that young Will Smith is there. And then they're like, okay, now let's set up a trap. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, and also the reveal, That's, the reveal for yeah. Clone Will Smith was completely out of nowhere and I thought it was really dumb the way they did it. Yeah, I didn't like Let that. Let me either. get a DNA Nothing, test. Like, cool Let me just go it. and get a DNA test in Hungary. Like you can just fucking yeah. do that. You can't, by the way. It, is it that easy like within 2 hours like how she said it? Oh yeah, let me just same day DNA tra- testing. It's actually services. DNA barcoding's pretty you can get it pretty easy, but it's extremely expensive. Like to do, um, since I'm in, just a little background, I'm in ecology, so like species ident- identification is a big deal, and to know how to do it is a big deal, but it takes a long time, so there's actually machines, and they have one in Guelph, where like you can blend up your samples of bugs or whatever, and it takes a little, just a little needle, and it sucks it up, and it can tell you everything within that blend, within that bug smoothie, what's in there. Yeah. So it, like yeah, wow. the DNA technology is there, but like how do you how did you know this person works in a DNA lab? Why did you meet them in a library? Did <laughs> why yeah. would they agree to do this whatsoever? So they get a couple thousand dollars? Like it's so weird. Things were just written to happen for this movie. Things weren't written out of um 
storytelling. No, they were written for storytelling necessity, not to make sense. They they had in scenes logic. in mind, and they didn't put the effort in there to weave them together. Which doesn't make sense because this movie's been in production for like over twenty years, so it seems like there should have been some more thought put into it over the last couple. Of years. Or it makes more sense is because it's had twenty years of meddling done to it. That that makes well, that's the most visible thing. It's like the movie was literally shot and written and directed and edited by like a handful of directors. Like this was like a collective movie that over the years has just been butchered. Like it it really seemed like a. a amalgamation of different attempts different shots they're like okay let's shoot this scene like a comedy let's shoot this one super serious let's shoot this one like a thriller and then the one scene will be composed of like all those different takes you know like did you get that like just super jarring moments where they'll throw a joke in for like some weird reason or just like some like fucking american pie type of line like that whole ending is like american pie like what the fuck is going on yeah i also before we move on i still want to stay in hungry for a bit can we talk about how bad that russian accent was oh yuri yeah yeah you're, so you, bad you tell me then like are you was it it was pretty bad it was pretty bad and he's like he made two jokes like oh you're so american <laughs> i am russian yeah yeah <laughs> can no, you tell pretty cliche can you tell I oh am... yeah no what when he made the joke when he's like um oh yeah you call this uh conspiracy we call this a regular tuesday yeah in russia uh-huh. or whatever uh-huh. russian people are getting killed by politicians uh-huh. anyways yeah. oh, oh you all get it yeah america that's a joke for you uh-huh. yeah anyway i don't know okay yeah shit just happens in this movie and they go from location to location and then characters just meet up characters are just going places like now they're in a farm like what yeah. like why why did they get Here's the biggest the the biggest head scratch for me, the biggest, is that at the end of the movie, the first thing that comes up when the th- screen goes to black is directed by Ang Lee, because at no point does it seem like this is an Ang Lee movie. I've never watched an Ang Lee movie before, so. Have you seen Life of Pi? No, but I've heard good things. No. Yeah. Okay. Like you, his movies. There's like. There's not, there's not like a, a specific quality in his movies. Like, I don't know, maybe other people can catch into that, but he's not like Tarantino in the sense, or I know I use him as an example a lot, but how he has very specific traits in quality. Like Ang Lee, what I found from just watching his movies and kind of just like studying his old films and stuff is just, he's like, a, he was at least like a master director. Like, he knew what directing was. He knew what co- shot compositions, what everything entitled in mise-en-scene and shot composition and rhythm and flow of like a scene and pacing. Like he knew all these things and like he could teach you all these things from one movie, from one scene. Like you could you could have a film school lesson by watching just one scene of his movies. Here's the thing though. Like watch. Um, yeah. I didn't think like shot composition or directing or editing was particularly horrible in this movie. I just thought the story was so nonsensical that I couldn't care. If that makes sense. That that is also a huge thing. Like, yeah, the story is not good, but I, the action was just the action also wasn't anything particularly good. Like, there was nothing particularly good about this movie. That that's just the weird part. When there's so many elements that should make it a good movie. You know, you got great actors. You got a great director. Um, like 
who was the cinematographer. I'm pretty sure he was great. You know, like they put a lot of effort. It seems like, like the idea, let's de-age Will Smith, let's shoot it 120 frames per second. Like he must have been thinking some creative choices, but they were just mostly misses for me, at least. You know, oh, you know who one of the writers was for this film? One of the story credits. Uh, this might make some sense for people listening. David Benioff, one of the writers for Game of Thrones. He wrote oh this no, shit. Yeah. fuck this guy he's ruining my oh my god fuck this guy doesn't shit just make sense oh like, my god okay do you know like this has happened like twice now where um yeah. where you realize um the game of thrones guys were attached to something ruined something and it was horrible or, yeah yeah like yeah, didn't they yeah. write batman versus superman uh no, no no I don't think so. There was another one out there. You know who you know who did write Batman versus Superman though? Oh fuck! The guy who wrote Episode Nine. Oh that's right. No, that's the one. Yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Um oh fuck! There's another one though. Oh man. Anyways, I'm um, glad they're off Star Wars. Yeah yeah yeah. They're um they just so- signed a deal with Netflix though. I'm pretty sure they're getting a whole new fucking. Uh, like franchise or something but holy fuck you know what else this guy wrote like now because i'm going through his wikipedia page x-men origins that's it that's it that's the one that's the one (laughs) yeah holy i'm I'm just finding this out for the first time there's a crumb trail of shitty movies and we should have seen it coming and just because he was a fucking fan of the books that he got to write he got these guys got to direct it and they had such good source material there's no way they're gonna fuck it up and as soon as they ran out of source material here's my they fucked they fucked it up i could have a two-hour game of thrones rant because goddamn it was like my favorite show up until season season? no five and a half second five and a half Mm -hmm. is when they started running out of material Mm -hmm. and like season six was uh, season seven was and season eight was oh fuck don't even get me started i've i've asked a couple people this question um a couple good friends of mine who have like were into star wars into game of thrones like into these particular big franchises what was a bigger disappointment for you as a fan uh the game of thrones finale or star wars is culmination i think star wars is because um it was just so toxic online like you know what i mean like game of thrones was universally shit on so at least we had this sort of uniting force to be like yeah like i don't think there's a dual there's like a a uh another side to that debate for game of thrones at least not that i've heard of there's not many defenders for there is defenders of season seven there's defenders of season seven and i was one of them at one point where i'm like ah it's not that bad they can they can get this done right and then season Uh eight happens and then i look back at season seven i'm like okay you know what? i can't defend this anymore right Uh and that's sort of like in terms of like I don't know. Both are depressing because I can't watch even any of the earlier seasons of Game of Thrones. Like, despite like season one, two, and three probably being the best three seasons of television mm-hmm. that I've ever seen, I can't rewatch them because I know where it leads. Um, and another thing I can't rewatch is Gemini Man because it's bad. But I don't even know yeah, where to God, go. I don't a... even know where to go with Gemini Man anymore. I, there's so many. There's nowhere to go. There's here's where to go. No, watch it. No, no reason to rewatch. No reason to do anything with it. Leave it in the history. 
of Will Smith films. Another one of those Will's what's that other, what's that one he did with God, his son? It's like After Earth. After Earth. Yeah. I was just thinking about the same thing. Yeah, it's another one of those, bro. Like it's one of those where I was hyped for After Earth off concept. You know, off the idea of Will Smith and Jaden Smith working together again. Like I'm a big sucker for father son movies, I'll be honest with you. Like my dad's a big part of why I like movies as much as I do and the movies that I do like and the whole experience of watching movies and stuff like that. So that's very much ingrained in my catalog and my taste of films. So my bias leans toward that. And, and you know, like Pursuit of Happiness is like probably up there in my all-time list. And yeah, like oh, that that was like thunder, like striking just once. Because After Earth, like I, I didn't watch it, but that clearly wasn't a good movie. Yeah, I heard enough about it to stay well and clear from it yeah uh that's that's a uh, similar to um who was the director of after Earth? i think that was m night Shyamalan, right yes it was m night it was another one of those m night Shyamalan flops and that was yeah after he directed yeah. the last airbender the last airbender jesus Christ. which i think had its anniversary today or yesterday oh, or, no or a week the ago movie or the, the show the movie or the show the movie the movie like looking like there was like a it would it came out like 10 years ago today or yesterday or this week uh wow i i still remember watching it in theaters i, I still god damn i don't know if i watched it in theaters i just and i was never even like a airbender television guy like i watched some episodes mm-hmm. like some of my friends up growing up in middle school were big fans and they yeah. played all the video games and they'd always tell me how great it was and like yeah i'd, I'd yeah. watch some episodes i'd watch some clips on youtube but then i remember like watching that movie and i was just like what the fuck is going on like i oh the movie is like such a bad representation of the show i i will never forget the first time i saw that earth bending scene yeah that's you don't even have to finish the sentence you can just say earth yeah and i know what you're talking about in in any sentence anybody says the word earth it's tainted for me now because that earth bending scene is just fucked it's it's a, so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny though. Like, yeah, man, it's oh, let God, me do this perfect. five minute haka and we'll see this boulder move at fucking not even a boulder, a pebble. Yeah. Like it's a pebble. I swear. It's like we got, we got to have three guys performing a ritualistic dance to, to float a pebble, to float, not to strike anybody down. Mind you. What was his float. latest like, movie? M night Shyamalan. Um, I think it was glass glass must have been his last one. Oh, i heard that's a yeah have you gotten into that franchise no i haven't actually Ooh, that's a that's something we could get into man that's a unbreakable is a great classic unbreakable uh, what's the other one yeah split split and then glass glass yeah split had one of those you haven't seen split too huh? no i haven't so, seen split either i've, I've no okay about so i'm it. not gonna yeah i i'm not gonna say a word then because you you should m night is just known for those twist endings and those kind of you didn't see this coming type of stuff so better to just leave it i know some spoilers like i know about the beast and and yeah that cool yeah, thing. yeah no, no no then you know yeah okay i this this is the thing though it's it's so um unexpected like even if i were to say it now it wouldn't hit you with the full weight of like unless you watched his prior films and like i don't want to say in particular what even for people who haven't seen it like you should just 
make it on your list of of what to watch like if we're gonna make this episode any kind of recommendation based thing fuck gemini man watch unbreakable and then split and then glass and then other m night Shyamalan movies if you want but particularly those three because they're pretty good yeah i've heard they're good i i know you were pretty into them yeah i i like them um again i i'm hesitant to get into why because it's spoilerific everything about it like it's it's um and a very original what might not seem very original now in 2020 but for the year 2000 when our um thing unbreakable came out a very original take on a genre that i like a lot and and just something that like it's like maybe as a kid i wouldn't have liked watching it it seemed it might have been like too grown up but like as you know like a young adult that's just more mature something that i can just like really appreciate as a good entertaining film you know like just like like a classic film like a really just to the t classic so yeah i i couldn't recommend that higher than anything right now when did unbreakable come out year 2000 so 20 years ago. that's crazy that they came back to it so much later i know and that's the biggest that's the biggest fucking like mind fuck about it it's like oh like yeah i don't want to I mean, I guess, like, you kind of understand it. Like, those three movies are connected. But how he does it, like, it's 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 a good watch. Like, it's like, yeah, it, it, Split was really, like, his comeback in, in that way. Like, he was making a string of kind of not great movies. Like, The Visit was all right, and that came out a year before. But like, After Earth was there, The Last Airbender. Um, fuck, yeah, like, Split was one of those movies that was, like, back to form for Shyamalan uh like just back to the types of stories he's good at telling that he's like a master at telling and yeah like I'm and here's one of the cool things I follow M. Night on Twitter and he's like really one of my favorite filmmakers to follow because he like tweets about his entire process his filmmaking process from pre-production to editing so like I know you're not too much on social media but like if you are like if you're on Twitter even a little like that's a one good account to follow if i'd recommend something like that yeah must be great it's pretty cool does he have a lot of behind the scenes stuff it's like pretty much every phase of like his pre-production like from phase one of storyboarding of from like phase he'll talk about like his his like week of writing like oh yeah i, I wrote 12 pages of thing today in my 12th draft i didn't like it at all I found these problems in in how I was developing character relationships. Like obviously he doesn't get into spoiler about the story, like nothing about the story, but just kind of hearing him talk about his process, like how he cuts stuff out, how he's like in that sense, I guess, cause I'm kind of finding my own footing within the industry or kind of just trying to not even within the industry. I shouldn't even say like, I'm nowhere close to that point right now, but I guess just trying to find my own feet in the waters. Like, it's cool to hear somebody who's there share their process and you can kind of bounce off that and and just gain some sense of confidence and assurance like yeah you know like there's so many different ways to tell a story and to make a movie but when you can connect to a filmmaker or at least like when i can connect to a filmmaker in that way because like even like he's an indian filmmaker and he's like kind of brought up in a similar setting as i was so like there's just a lot of connections there that i can see myself in and yeah he's he's a cool guy not to draw it out too long on M. Night, but he's, yeah. You haven't been watching too many of his films. No, I haven't. And I 
yeah. probably should go back to those ones that made him famous in the first place. Yeah, yeah. He's that that early streak of his in like the late '90s with the Sixth Sense and early 2000s. Like, I rem- I remember my dad telling me like he was hailed as like the next Spielberg for a while, like, which is insane to think about now. But you know, like that kind of rings true. Like he's he's a great director. Like he's a a masterful director, and you know, like kind of like what we've even been touching on this episode and maybe even prior episodes, like what, what makes movies bad? Like I, I constantly ask myself that when I look at like who works behind certain movies, like the writer or directors and actors. And like when it's on paper, it's good names and it's people who are had credible, good work and stuff like what along the way makes a movie go bad. It's always that kind of puzzles me and throws me out for a loop, you know? Yeah. And there's no answer to it. It's like, I'm not asking, it's like a rhetorical question. Also, I'm not asking you like in a sense to answer me because who knows, like, you know, there's a million different things that can go wrong, but like, like, I don't think anybody ever goes through the intention of making a bad movie. No, but I feel like people go in sometimes with the intention of making a low effort movie. And that's where I think a lot sure, of bad movies yeah. come out of. Um, and unfortunately for some people, or something like that, yeah. they put a lot of effort into movies and they're still bad. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, that here's the thing. I won't knock a movie for for trying. Like when if like if a movie is bad, but you know, like I think there's le- levels to bad. Like you said, when there's not much effort or thought or care put into it in in the aspects of movie making, like then you can see that you can sense that, and that goes towards a bad experience. But if if things don't click for you, but you know there's enough there that you can tell like i can still watch this like i think there's a difference between liking a movie and appreciating a movie you know what i mean like i think you can appreciate a movie but you might not like it off that first movie but you still might think like yo i need to watch this a couple more times and grow with it and figure it out and and let it let it kind of affect me a little more to to develop my opinion like i've had that experience with movies so i'm sure there's no black or white in that sense, you know? No, it's never black and white. And there's so many variables. And here I am spotting off my science thing again. There's so many variables that go into the, the uh, amalgamation of what a movie is. And I feel like if there's no care or there's lack of effort or there's um, no insight or there's no oversight, or there's lack of planning within any one of those variables, that's when the yeah. whole structure of what would right. make a good movie sort of falls apart. Crump starts to crumble. Yeah, it's like a domino, it's like a really fragile domino set, like, which to me is like the scary and exciting and, and like, it's all that fear and excitement all bundled up in one thing where it's like, if if one of those support things, like what you just mentioned, if one of those is faulty or if it's not one of those variables is not confident in itself or in, in its function in, in the system, then the whole system falls. Like the whole thing breaks down <clears throat> and like, that's scary. You know, like if you're a filmmaker and you like the writer, director, like whatever, the guy that's come up with the story in the film and somebody in your team is not, you know, like as enthusiastic about you are, or as into the story as you are like, that's, that's such a huge responsibility. Like you, that's what I think like a good director does is like, you get everybody on board to your vision and you get people to 
start seeing the movie in that way or you know develop their own connection with the movie to like get that movie to an emotional place you know to get it to a place where it can connect and yeah like maybe th- that's that might have been a fault with this movie you know like maybe certain people brought that to the table but other people didn't and and that's why at times it just feels like a very mediocre action movie with nothing too much special about it and you know other times there are truly like there's decent stuff going on and i'm talking about gemini man but yeah so who is the director for this again for uh gemini yes. ang lee okay so what i think <laughs> here's a bold prediction i think ang lee is going to bounce back in sort of an m night Shyamalan fashion if i can bring it back towards mm. that to where mm-hmm. m night yeah he was definitely regarded i think even yeah like i've i've read and i've seen that people like were regarding him as the next big thing but then he sort of faltered and now he's sort of back to you know smaller projects but he's being more consistent and precise in in the effort that he puts in and it's like i think ang lee got sort of pulled apart by a studio in this case because this was a this was a too big of a movie yeah it's like not too big of a movie but it's just not in his wheelhouse like there's too much baggage associated with this movie yeah it's just it's like leave this kind of shit for michael bay or you know like just the ones that want to make a full-out action movie like the the closest thing to this that from what i've seen of his catalog is like hulk 2003 hulk but like even that was artful in some sense of a comic book movie like he did a lot of experimental and different stuff with with that and with this it's like he i don't know it's a little out of touch with his his films like i don't know yeah it's uh just throws me out for a loop for a sec but people falter i think like every but you're right i think in that sense where you know what i mean yeah but you said it right like where m night kind of came back in small movies that that are in his wheelhouse that are not too ambitious not too big like i think maybe when you know like if a filmmaker gets to that point where it's for an audience to lose that sight of touch for like even for your as a filmmaker to lose that sight of like where are you coming from what type of stories you're trying to tell then you gotta like look at the wheel again you got to analyze where did you come from where are you trying to go like you gotta just look at yourself look at your career again because this movie is just i don't want to hate on it too much but because like i really wanted to go into this movie liking it i didn't i i didn't like follow the hype of the bad reviews it was getting when it came out i didn't even watch it when it came out but i sitting down i was like you know i'm not gonna go into it with any bias but there was, like, nothing in the in beginning of the movie that was, like, telling me to think different, you know? There's there's a little bit. There's yeah. some nice shots. It was, the to be fair, like, I thought the train scene was cheesy, yes, but I thought, you know, it, it was cool. It, 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 it pulled was, me it was a bit. cool, but, it, it, yeah, like, honestly, that, it, that train sequence, the assassination sequence, pulled me in a bit too like enough to will smith as a character but then they didn't go anywhere from there like there's nothing given to you after that to care about him uh what does he do it like it's just like oh yeah he's gonna retire now oh and now he's gonna get hunted like okay and uh, like i don't need to know if he has a kid or anything i don't need to know if he has family you don't you know like you don't need to take cliches in that way of storytelling which they didn't but they didn't even do really anything in that sense 
until the clone comes in and like this is this is why I say I think the clone aspect brought all, for me a better experience because it becomes a different movie in the sense like it's it as an audience it just makes you think a little more like okay well what's the relationship between these guys now like what's what is the clone gonna do like what is will like what is henry will older will smith gonna do like what does all this mean in the context of 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 the world and the relationships but they like brush over all that shit like or just don't put enough attention i felt into any of that or not that it just wasn't consistent i should say it wasn't any one thing particular it was like and i've said this but like an amalgamation of just different movies like cut into one movie trying to be one movie yeah and um maybe that's where the 20 years comes from is because people were sort of yanking and pulling and deciding like what kind of movie this was supposed to be and then they gave a big name director the the seat and just to to try to get some big names on on the project and try to sort of salvage whatever movie this was and um, try to make some sort of money off of that, but they didn't, and it failed critically. It failed. I'm pretty sure it failed the box office because I forgot this movie even existed. Um, yeah, it. It, as a movie, <laughs> sorry, cost about almost 140 million dollars, and it made back 170. Okay, so it so, didn't yeah. even make that much money. It made money back, but like, I think they accomplished what they wanted with this movie. It's just, you know. Yeah, well, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a franchise uh, starter by any sense. Oh God, think. no, no, not in the sense I that I wanted not. Oblivion to be. Which yeah. there was some yeah. similarities in this yeah. movie, but like obviously Oblivion did it. Oh well, actually, I have some Oblivion news, some pretty fun, interesting Oblivion. And what news. would that be? Uh, so the director of Oblivion, Joseph Kaczynski, apparently is being tapped to direct the Tron sequel, uh, Tron Three. So he directed Tron Two. And uh, they want him to come back to do Tron 3. I didn't even think Tron was like a Which is big deal. What's I that? didn't even think Tron was a big deal. It's it's not really. like it's. I think it's one of those things, you know, like it didn't get a sequel. It got kind of canceled, that kind of. like. But I think it has a cult following basis. Like I've seen it enough online where people who, people really do want a Tron sequel. Like they want some continuation of that world of that story like the first movie set up too many good things for them not to think like we can continue this like the first movie wasn't bad in any sense of the word you know like i think there's a there's something in it for everybody which might be the most overused term in in movies but like you know like the amazing score amazing score like great visuals like a great action like just it's it's a fun movie and and the look of it is so iconic also that why would they not make a sequel out of it it's like disney holds so many fucking like infinity stone type of things in their hands like they got star wars they got marvel and tron can be one of those things like it's that big of a world and that big of a story so um i think they're smart to kind of think to get back into it and and if they get joseph kaczynski and you know like he'd after he did Tron, he did Oblivion, and he did... What else did he do? Uh, did something. Yeah, he's done a couple of stuff. He's done... Uh, he's doing Top Gun also. I didn't even know that. He's doing the new Top Gun. Oh, that's a yikes. I haven't seen the original Top Gun, so I don't know... Neither what, have I, I'm but I'm just... About it, like, but... I'm not a big fan of... 
um, for some reason, our era of movies is just like rehashing the eighties over and over again. And, but, and somehow making the eighties worse. Well, that's the state of Hollywood, my man. That's reboot culture, like whatever you want to call it. Reboot, sequel, galore. I'm just waiting for the day where they run out of reboots. Yeah, when... Fuck. And then what? What did they... Then they have to actually get in the writing room and make some progress in terms of new ideas. That's... Yeah, that's... If they do it. If they do that. If the right people are there. And then maybe we'll get more movies like Oblivion or Nice Guys. Oh, fuck. Nice Guys. That... That's a that's a movie right there. That is there. a movie right there. That's I could watch that movie right now. Yeah, I haven't like the movie going experience that I had with the nice guys, I can't fondly remember since then. You know, like I, I did I, I came late to the party with the nice guys. And like fucking I can't remember laughing that hard at home by myself watching a movie. Like it is so out of this mind funny. And, and it's like, it's like, it's, you don't feel guilty just laughing at that movie. You don't feel like, what a duo. Am I, what a duo. Yeah. What an unsuspecting duo. Like, I didn't think I would like that, you know, at all, but it works. Ryan Gosling is, it became like my, one of my favorite actors after that movie. Yeah, dude, his. Not going to lie. I sound like my sister when I say that, but yeah, for real. I mean. Shout out the Canadian boy. I mean, like anyone who's not fucking blind can see that. The, the goss, the goose, the Canadian goose is a goose. fucking national sexy treasure. He's a national icon for sure. Yeah, let's not... I, I, I bought a, a Ryan Gosling movie today actually on DVD. Which one is... Yes. Are you starting to be like I, the hipster? The I hipsters before it's hipster to get a DVD? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I Kind of actually. Like I'm not going to lie. Like I started building my movie collection up again. Like I just... I had all my movies in like kind of a box and me and my dad were just going through it and trying to see what we wanted to throw out and keep. And I figured like, you know, like this is, uh, this is like part of history. Like we're not, we're going to forget about DVDs one day and just, it's, it's cool to kind of have those tactile things in movies and flip through it, through it. And just like, yeah. So I was, anyways, like I was grocery shopping today and just one of those movie carts, I saw those and the movie, um, only God forgives which is uh, directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, who also appears in Death Stranding as a cameo character. Little connection tidbit there. Um, so yeah, anyways, I bought that game. Or I bought that movie. Yeah. No, interesting. Well, it might... On DVD. DVD might, DVD DVDs series. might end up like... Because I... It sounds weird, but like I, correct, I collect records, so DVDs might end up like yeah. records someday. I think we're almost there. I th- yeah, I think we're almost at that point where... You know, people did that with Blu-rays, but it was never that hipstery, like, vint- in that vintage sense. But I think the idea of just regular DVD, like, building that collection up again and having a DVD player even, is it's going to become, like, the new record. Like, we'll, we'll, not like blockbusters, but we'll see DVD stores operational soon, I feel. I feel, mm, I don't think it's soon. I hope. I think, I think it'll, I hope. you got to give it some time. Right, because like, when did record stores yeah, start popping up? You tell me. Like, I you, when did you buy yours? Like, when, well, I, I got it into it late. Like, I got yours? not last Christmas, but the Christmas before was when I got my turntable, and then I've just been like slowly gaining 
and getting more into like the special editions yeah. and now I'm following some bands and I'm waiting for them to, but like, I don't know. It's hard to say when, because I feel like throughout the time, just while we've been growing up, like it's everything has happened like while we've changed. So I don't know, like maybe when, while I feel like maybe while we were like getting into university, even like four or five years, six years ago. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like around, then, around I don't know. the early parts of the 2010s record stores started popping up again. Okay, so you got to yeah. give it like 30, more 35, maybe? 40 years before things start becoming more nostalgic. Holy, I'm thinking, I'm thinking 10 years, bro. You're giving me a long time. Uh, yeah. So I'm thinking like 2040, you might see DVD stores pop back up. Jeez. No, nah, I'm thinking sooner than that. 2040 is pretty late, bro. We're going to have something crazy by 2040. Yeah, we're all going to be dead. Whatever. Uh, so, so end on a cynical odd. note. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine cutting the episode off right <laughs> on that, on that, and it's like, yeah, somebody's just going on their walk, and it's like, what the yeah. fuck, man? I just wanted to fucking enjoy some convos. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But, we're not um, gonna die. There's no way that'll happen, right? No, we're all gonna live forever and watch movies till the end of time. Exactly. Everything's fine. Nobody worry about anything. Yes. Yes. Well, it's easy anything for us to say, say that in 2020. Uh, is it easy for us to say that in 2020? Yeah, no, it's not. Watch 2021 be worse. Well, this is something that I'm interested in, actually, is, um, what are the movies, like, what are screenwriters in Hollywood writing right now? What are those Oh, projects? my God. Okay, can we, can we let this brains, be a conversation for next week, please? Because I want to have this conversation. Like, like, thinking about it in the future? Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Because that's a really, uh, that's a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, that is a deep rabbit hole. Because I'm actually, I'm actually really curious yeah. about that, too. And I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about the prospect yeah uh, it's i'm i'm both excited and also nervous because there's a lot of things that can happen a, a lot of good things and a lot of bad things i feel a lot of cliches particularly a lot of a lot of new pandemic centered virus centered oh, okay. genre films you feel me i the the return of those kind of movies okay i i had a different idea of what of what you meant but we can talk about it next week we can talk about it next week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a whole spectrum of it, but yeah, we'll talk about that. All right. Um, but um, let's. Should we decide what movie we'll watch next week, or do you want to? I want to watch Nice you Guys. Have any ideas? Dude, I'd be down. I'll watch Nice Guys. I'll watch Nice Guys too. Um, Shane, who's that? Shane Black. Yeah, Shane Black. Yeah. Okay. Also, fuck okay, Shane Black cool. for what he did to the Predator, but good job on Nice Ooh. Guys. Yeah, I can't remember. We we watched the Predator like last year, didn't we? Mm-hmm. That was the original. Yeah, one. we watched the original '80s one, right? And then Shane, but we never watched. Then we didn't watch the Shane Black one after. Okay, anything after Predator One gets a little weird. Predator Two has like a cult following. Um, Predator Three, I forget if it even exists. I don't think it does. And then there's Predator Three is not predator versus alien no it's not that's not technically um but um then there was 2010 or 2011 they came out with predators a nice little sort of homage to like alien aliens yeah when they put the s at the end i was just gonna say yeah so they kind of did a plan words on that so yeah. I actually remember fondly enjoying that movie growing up, but I'm pretty sure it's a shit movie. Um, and then Shane Black directed The Predator, which is the most recent yeah. one, which is an absolute 
travesty. Where the whole plot is the predators are coming Earth to get the genes out of a kid with Asperger's because apparently that's like an evolution in the human race and wow to create super predators <laughs> well on a concept go that sounds pretty interesting i'm not gonna lie yes it sounds oh, good on paper but maybe and maybe not on a like, i wonder how they pitch that like so asperger's is gonna be the superpower in the show asperger's is literally yeah, a superpower within the movie i'm not kidding the, the kid with movie, asperger's yeah, has yeah. superpowers yeah. anyway um also, they tie in a climate change narrative as well. So, um, not exactly a predator movie. That's one of my dreams if I was ever to like be a director is to be like make a movie called like Hunted and show no predator in the trailers or nothing, and then let people get mm. surprised in the movie theater. That it's a it's a predator. Yeah, movie? it's a predator movie. But don't. I wish more movies took risks like that, like that you really don't know what you're getting into, and then it's like, oh fuck, it's this is what I'm watching. Like, yeah, yeah that's my dream. Is like yeah. for that'd be cool. Something to where they show no predator, they don't put them like, but that'll never happen. But still, that will never happen. Not not the sense that you won't make a movie, but the sense that a movie would be marketed like no, that. that would never they would happen. never let they would never do a predator movie without having yeah in the marketing. So yeah. 100%. Well, well. But no, that's a that's a cool thing we can wish for, I guess. Like if if we get into a point where marketing a movie is like not the not the most important thing where like you know, people like I I could see that happening when like if movie theaters collapse like entirely and and everything goes on streaming. Like think about it now when when a new movie comes on Netflix, rarely do you see a trailer for it. Like it just pops on your front page of Netflix and you either click it or you don't. You see the actors, you like it and or you watch it or you don't, you know? And the, I that's there's something cool about that that you don't always know what a movie is going to be until you watch it. And and that leads out the expectations, that leads out, you know, anything that of, of going into it. And it just brings a movie down to its like really like primal things. So, like, do you like it or do you not like it? That's yeah, it. for sure. All right, uh, I think it's about time we maybe wrap this up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So, thanks for watching, guys. Make sure you follow us on Instagram um, at Mythic Morons. We post constantly about what movies we're watching, so you guys can sort of keep up and keep track, and um, you know. We're sort of like join the conversation. Like a, keep in keep in touch. Yeah, keep in touch. It's sort of like a yeah. book club, and, but for movies. So, yeah, that's exactly that's how I like to think about it. And and you know, like always appreciate people leaving a leaving a review, leaving a rating, or uh, just leaving us with comments or feedback. Yo, shout and, out to Ireland, fucking. Oh yeah, shout out Ireland, big time. Uh, we love you guys out there. All one of you, you know, maybe. We're, all yeah all it shows us it's two percent of y'all so you know whatever the number is love all y'all love worldwide mythic morons you know love it absolutely and um and you know see you in the next episode thank you for listening